This podcast is brought to you by UK Coaching, here for the coach. Visit ukcoaching.org to grow your coaching skills and be part of the community. Hi, I'm Andy Bradshaw, and in this podcast series, I'll be having conversations about supporting coaches to deliver great coaching. Welcome to Karen Roberts, who's joining us on Coach Developer Conversations uh, today. Hello, Andy. Uh, hi, Karen. What would be really useful is for you to just start with a little bit of background for the listeners, uh, just in terms of your background in judo and sort of where you've got to today. Uh, sure, yeah. Um, I've been in and around judo now probably for 30 years in various roles and um, guises. Clearly, it started off as that child walking through the club doors once upon a time. That child grew into a performance athlete. Um, I competed at the Commonwealth Games, uh, Olympic Games and World Championships, European Championships, the kind of events that you sort of associate with that, that kind of performance. And following a, a short career in, in engineering, I then came back into the sport uh, when we knew that London had secured the Olympic bid within the performance team, supporting the operations and since that point, I've remained in the, the performance team with various roles and responsibilities along the way. OK, so you know, lots of different experiences there. And I suppose one question that springs to mind is, at what point did you start to see the value in this coach developer role? That's a really, really good question, in fact, because... I think that the role um, discovered the value in me, perhaps. I struggled after the London Olympics to make sense of it all because it was such a, a, a massive event for our sporting landscape and understanding where I would go next with the experiences and the knowledge that I kind of garnered along the way of that, that journey. And... Fortunately, uh, somebody already working within the organisation said, have you looked at this space? And it actually started as a project, you know, can you consider what you've seen in, in coaching and, you know, what would be the skill set required for a world-class judo coach? And I started work on that and found it absolutely fascinating. I definitely found like I'd stepped from looking from an athlete's perspective to looking at the coach's perspective and considering the implication of, of getting great coaches would mean that it would have a bigger impact rather than the the Lone Ranger athlete um, and the impact that the Lone Ranger athlete might have. So I think it was around about that time that I started to think, wow, this this is an important space to be in. Yeah, the word fascinating intrigues me. What, what did you find fascinating about that space? I think it, it probably fascinated me because of what my journey had been on up until that point. So I'd been an athlete and then I came in and I worked alongside the performance director through the Beijing and London cycles, sort of leading the team, but probably still had the perspective of an athlete. But towards the end of that piece of work, as I went into the last um, couple of years of the London cycle, I became a mother. But also it just meant that I started to look at how we nurtured individuals and not just athletes, everyone within the team. And it hadn't been that clear for me at that point. And I think the reason I found it fascinating was because it offered me the time to reflect on truly what I'd, I'd learned in those two cycles, it being in a different set of shoes. Um, I don't think I'd taken the time to fully appreciate that. So when I started looking, you know, when this project was given to me, you know, consider what this, this looks like, 
I started using probably all of the experiences I'd had rather than just the one of the athlete. The, the different places that you end up finding yourself when you're in that support role, you know, whether or not it's in coach and athlete conversations or if it's in coach to coach conversations, um, coach and support team conversations, and then also the people that are making decisions around performance programs um, and what has to be considered. I, I found that I could bring all of that information and all of that expertise into into one place uh, for, for the specific and a reason of you know the, the world-class performance coach so that's why it just kind of gave me a bit of a gateway to using the different experiences and knowledge that I found that I had yeah and, and I mean I, I have a question written here around what what influences have shaped your journey um, and sort of shaped how you play this coach developer role are, are there anything that you would you know put your finger on as to say well actually that that's been really influential in, in what I do now and how I do it yeah, um, and I'm conscious there are far better qualified people for me to answer something like this. I'm relatively new in the space, um, and it's just a very personal opinion. But I've always approached it in the same way that my coach nurtured me. He was probably a big influence in how I probably now approach if I'm working with a coach. It's that one-to-one relationship where you're going on a journey together and the experiences that I've had through my career, whether or not it has been through as an athlete with a coach or in my engineering world with mentors and certainly later in life with, you know, my own coaches in the role that I do, they've all been influential in, in me really appreciating how special the relationships are um, and how trusting they are. It's, you know, someone is entrusting you to support them in what they do and usually in our space what they do is really important to them so to be trusted with that is quite incredible I think because I've had that experience where I've entrusted people with something that's meant a lot to me um, I've made sure that that's influenced how I work with anyone in the future that you know I, I, I respect that privilege Oh, absolutely. I'm interested a little with the um, the engineering example that you use. You mentioned mentoring in that context. You've articulated your coaching and your athlete journey. Did anything shape your your view from, from something that's completely outside of sport, from that engineering world? Yes, I think that was probably my experience of really evidence-based information. Because of the era that I was an athlete, working with my coach it, it was tacit knowledge and um, it was very intuitive and the belief in my coach and his kind of commitment to me meant that I was quite happy to to work with a, a program in that way now when I went into the engineering world it, which was not you know almost immediately after that experience the world worked differently the world required evidence and examples and the reason I bring that up is because actually even when you're working with the tacit knowledge and the intuitive nature of coaching you can still provide evidence and examples you know whether or not i know that the, the, the previous uh, podcast that you've done is around observation you know this provides kind of the evidence which makes a re- for a really safe conversation it kind of depersonalizes it which then means that conversations are, are about the data and the evidence that you, you can bring across and I, I think that probably has has helped me a lot as well through the rest of, of my career is taking on that okay so there can be difficult conversations and if if you can provide abstract data which 
helps that conversation. It, it really, really can be a big leverage um, to great learning. I'm going to go off on a slightly different tangent now. So you've talked through your journey into developing coaches. In terms of getting clarity on, on what that role is and, and how you would operate within it, what benefit have you found from finding that clarity in terms of how you do the job? It's been really interesting for me um, because I, like I say, it was very fortunate that somebody approached me to do the piece of work in the first place. And following on from that, a colleague that I'd been working with previously asked me to do some coach development work um, which was a label I'd not heard of before and said, I'm not sure what you mean. Um, and actually that was some work outside of judo. And so I was working with coaches from other sports. That probably gave me an opportunity to really understand what the role was because it took away my credibility and my knowledge of the sport itself and um, just allowed me to focus on, okay, what was coaching? So that was probably one stage of it. And then the other stage was almost simultaneously to that through the work that I'd kind of started to do without any label necessarily to it. The Strive programme came up from UK Coaching, which offered a great formal learning piece for me to go, ah, okay, so this, if, if I had to put it into a box or give it a label, this is this this space. So I think that helped shape my understanding of what the role was perceived to be by the wider system. And the experimentation with that outside of my own sport allowed me to probably use more of the skills that I was learning on that program. So it was a great combination at the time. I then also um, was fortunate enough to be part of the UK Sport Mentoring Program. And I discovered that there's a lot of hang-up on, on what label I'm going to give to what, and I, I guess I found my own way through that of thinking, well, I've got a spectrum of skills that I can use, and then at any given time or in any given situation, I will draw upon those. I'm not necessarily going to label them. And although that sounds probably as if that muddies it a bit, actually, for me, that was clarity. I was far more comfortable to use a term like coach development and coach developer when I knew that actually this is the skill set that I've got, this is the toolkit I've got and at any given time you use it within that. And I guess that was probably the little bit of journey that I went on to to making it okay with myself. Yeah, and I think you may well have have answered some of my next question, but it was around, you know, what do you see as your identity as a coach developer, bearing in mind you obviously you may have a number of other roles that you play within the sport, but when you're when you're in coach developer mode, what do you identify with them? Yeah, it's interesting because I still probably don't consider myself to have an identity as a coach developer until I'm outside of my sport. When I'm in my sport, I just think of myself as someone who's been immersed in something for a long time and draws upon different skills as and when needed. It becomes a lot clearer if I do that work when it's not within judo. I think the identity piece is interesting because I'll often be sat in a room and have to switch different caps depending on, on what the, the meeting may be when I'm in the judo context. When I'm outside of the judo context and it's a piece of work with a coach, actually there's no hats to switch. So it, I think the identity can be messier when I'm in my own sport and much cleaner when I'm outside of it. 
that said, I think I would say that judo is my identity. And then I use the different caps within that to, to what suits the situation. Okay. And your experience of going into other sports, so... You know, it continues to be a really interesting topic of, of debate around not necessarily effectiveness, but people operating as a coach developer within their sport and the context and culture and politics within that, which obviously uh, has a huge influence in what they do, as opposed to then going into another sport where different contexts and cultures, but not necessarily constrained by them. Do, do you get that sense of freedom, possibly? Uh, how would you describe yeah, it? I think, um, I guess the best way I could probably describe it is that because of having those experiences, it's probably given me more freedom when I come back into my own sport because what it's really shone a light on is the way that I will, in the past, I would have definitely fast-tracked on the assumptions that I've got when I'm working in my own sport. When you go out of your sport, you can't do that. So you have to be truly present, you have to listen, and you have to really take the context that's described to you by the person that you're sat with or the person that you're working with, the person that you're watching. Whereas what I found I was doing previously, if I was in judo, you would make a lot of assumptions because you think you already know the answers to them, the questions that you'd have had if you were sat in another sport. So the pros and the cons, I guess you could have a debate about for a long, a long time. I've tried to get the best out of all worlds and transfer the skills that have become really apparent in one world and take them back into another. And I guess it's the things that you, you've learned from being in your own environment, the types of questions that you'd ask around existing relationships and potential, you know, uh, not really the word, politics in your sport. You know that that's the tapestry with, when, with which a coach is sitting. They will know that. So you can ask the right questions to, to get that to the forefront um, and understand then the context they work in. So you, you can take lessons from your own sport and use those when you go into other fields. But equally, I think I, I've learned just as much and taken it back into judo and, like I say, caught myself on my own assumptions and been able to stop and ask the question rather than try and fill in the gaps for the person that I'm working with. Yeah, so it, it provides you with a nice balance by the sounds of things. I, I was going to ask you which do you enjoy more, but by the sounds of things it's probably equal but in different ways. Yeah, I'd go with that. I would definitely go with that. I think um, it's quite refreshing to go outside of, of what you're doing and you've been doing for a, a long time. But I, I guess always that drive inside of me, okay, so what have I learned this time? And I think that I get that equally from from both areas. So yeah, I'd have to say that find them both equally rewarding brilliant i'm going to try and to make some connections across some of the um, podcasts we're doing so andrew spoke in his his podcast around observation about coming towards the end of uh, an observation and then a little bit of a challenge around what do i do with a coach that might need some feedback right at the end of a session um, bearing in mind that you might not have actually come to a whole load of conclusions yourself I'm putting on the spot a little bit here, but how have you approached that, that sort of endings of an observation and what you do with the view that you've got, maybe with a coach that might want a little bit of feedback? How, how do you approach that endings time of an observation? Often with the question back to the coach around their personal feeling and connection to what's 
been happening because I've found that if I have some feedback to offer, I've got to wait for the gift that they request it. And I've found that if I can connect it to perhaps where they were considering they were focusing a session on, um, it, it always lands a lot better. For me, so I'm, I'm trying to consider it in isolation, but I guess the feedback for me is always associated to what it was that I was there to observe um, and what the predefined kind of briefing was before I would go in with the feedback. Um, and often I use the fact that I revisit, okay, so what was the goal? And literally go through like a simple grow because often the feedback can then come into the reality of what was actually happening. So there are a couple of tactics that I'd use in terms of getting the opportunity to to offer the feedback and finding out if it's appropriate straight after an observation because sometimes you can gauge if it's been quite a heightened session that now is not the time and although it may have been my intention and I really want to give this feedback actually just through that initial conversation of how did that go how do you feel you go okay this right now isn't the time for this part actually let's have a conversation about what's going on there yeah Brilliant, thank you. Um, and I suppose one final thing, just to try and try and wrap up. You, you mentioned about you being relatively new on this journey into the coach developer role. But if you could put your finger on sort of one piece of learning or one experience that has really sort of been of great value to you, and maybe something that you would say actually, you know, other people that are starting to travel the journey towards coach development, coach developer work. What would it be? What sort of advice would you give to someone just sort of setting out on that journey? Hmm, good question. Oh, we've got the biggest pause. That must be the best question. Yeah, well, because I'm thinking, what, what would I have appreciated someone telling me at the beginning? And I think it's probably respect the experience and knowledge that you come to this point with and build upon it. Don't be frightened to say, I don't get it, I don't know. And in, enjoy the opportunity to, f to find that growth with the people that you're going to work with. I think when I, at that very, very beginning bit, when um, somebody said, oh, could you do this piece of work for me outside of Jude, I thought, oh, well, why would I do that? Why am I qualified to do that? What are the, you know, I, I don't have that label. But actually what I discovered was just appreciating the experiences I had, reflecting on them and understanding where the learning was in, in that, kind of set up a bit of a platform then to be able to share that experience with other people and to discover with them what was useful. And over, I mean, I, you know, I'm not there yet, but over the time, you work out how it's an ebb and flow every time you work with someone. Actually, there, was, there are times when I feel like I've taken far more away from a session with a coach than potentially they have because I've just learned something new about, okay, I've asked this question, I've got this reaction. Um, I never saw that coming. So it's just being ready to kind of seize all those opportunities. Great. A great answer as well. Um, you know, the, the experience that we bring into these roles, I think, is crucial and people being able to make sense of that and use it and and understand that others will get value out of it, even if it's not from their own sport, is is really, really important. Um, thank you so much, Karen, for spending some time chatting, uh, chatting this evening. 
Thanks again to Karen for sharing her insight and experiences. You've been listening to episode two of the Coach Developer Conversations podcast. To check out the other episodes, go to the ukcoaching.org forward slash resources webpage. Thank you for listening. Join us at ukcoaching.org. Whatever you're doing to help people be active and improve, we can help you deliver great coaching experiences at a time to suit you.